Hey, good morning, Munchropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot! What can I say? The camera loves me. Charlie, after you, Junior. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Multiplex Log It. We have got a great topic and a great panel for you. Timber Collar cannot be here this week, but I am here. Uh, and this will be a very fun show. We're covering romantic comics because Valentine's Day is coming up. So, you know, romance-ish things. Cool. We've got a... And also, I think because Marry Me is coming out, which looks awful. But, yeah. Scott, are you going to be first in line for Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez? Um, first in line on Peacock, maybe. Uh, all, that's where all the best movies go, straight to oh, Peacock. Yeah. But, um yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm actually looking forward to Valentine's Day, not because I'm in a relationship, of course, but because I'll be seeing a double feature of Before Sunrise and Before Sunset at the Alamo Draft House, which is going to be awesome. So That actually sounds yeah. super fun. I wish yeah. Iowa was that cool. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Scully, uh, you, you, uh, you like Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez? Uh, yeah, I... I, I, I... I, I do, but together in a rom-com and there's lots and lots of music and singing and dancing. Maybe I'll wait until it, you know, eventually moves to Tubi in two years and everyone forgets about me. Absolutely. And Payson, I think you're the only one in this call who is actually in a relationship. Oh, Are you going to subject Taylor to marry me? Uh, it's funny, when we first saw the trailer, Taylor was like, we gotta see that to laugh at it. So, if we see that eventually, definitely not this weekend, because that's just a stereotype. But, uh, who knows, maybe Marry Me will go all the way till next Oscar season, and could get the best song nomination, so... I will jump off a bridge if that happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's get into the, the first part of the show. We're going to go over what the best and worst movies... Uh, Taylor, Taylor is saying it, it looks very bad. Yes. Best and worst movies you'll watch this week. Okay, uh, Scott, we'll start with you. What was your favorite movie you locked this week? Can I go back a little further than a week? I'm not your mom. Do we want? <laughs> okay. Literally everyone does. Just, just checking. Um, I know. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, uh, I'm bringing this movie up because it has not come out yet, and I want people to know about it um, because I think the community is going to freak out when it comes out because it's really, really great. But um, at the sun at the virtual Sundance um, Film Festival a couple weeks ago, um, I got to watch this movie Cha Cha Real Smooth, um, which is uh, directed by this guy Cooper Rafe. Um, he made a movie called Shit House a couple of years ago, which is really good. Um, yeah, that was that was wonderful, Scully. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's like 23 years old now. He was like 21 when he made his debut. But um, it's a it's a movie uh, starring him once again. He also starred in Shit House, but um, he plays a guy who's fresh out of college and is now 
like a party starter at bar and bat mitzvahs. Um, and <coughs> for doing that, he meets uh, Dakota Johnson, who plays the single mom, um, and strikes up a friendship slash relationship with her. It's also kind of just an ensemble piece, though. Like, there's a lot of interesting characters. Also, uh, Dakota Johnson has an autistic daughter, played by an actual autistic actress, um, who is really, um, really strong in the movie. And the relationship between the daughter and Cooper Rafe's character is really, like, touching. So um, it reminds me, it like, Obviously, Coda premiered last year at the Sundance Film Festival. I think this movie is going to be like the Coda of this from this year's Sundance. It's already been picked up by Apple TV, like Coda was. And like I said, it's a feel-good movie. It has um, good representation in it, um, just like Coda did. Um, but I think it's just a really. I think the writing is really strong, and the way it explores all these different relationships and uh, is is great. And I think. Shit House was a great movie. It let me down a little bit with the ending, but Cooper Rafe really sticks the landing with the ending of this movie. So I definitely think people, especially like I said, I think people in the community when this, you know, when this does properly come out, I think this is going to be a big movie probably that people are going to talk about a lot and deservedly so. I haven't fantastic. seen Shit House yet, and I really want to because I've heard good things. Has anyone here? Showtime, seen if you have. That? Uh, Has anyone here seen Cha Cha Real Smooth? Uh, I'm not cool, so I don't have a uh, Sundance pass, but I've heard really great things from following. Anybody Sundance. can get one. <laughs> you don't have to be cool. Oh, yeah. uh, the number of people who have recommended Shithouse to me is like abnormally high for people who recommend movies to me. So that is a movie I need to watch straight away. But considering that it's by the same guy, I'm, this, this does sound exciting. Absolutely. I'm glad this isn't called Cupid Shuffle Real Smooth. Uh, because Ellie would hurt me if that was the case. I was drunk. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not even going to apply any context to that. Oh, Payton, uh, what was your favorite movie a lot this week? Uh, yeah, so uh, my favorite movie I logged this week, it's probably it's one I saw in the theater. It's one of my new favorite theatrical experiences, Jackass Forever. Um, I did a big marathon of these movies uh, last week. I know these movies aren't for everyone. I totally get that. Like, they're not everyone's humor. For me, they work. And seeing this movie in a theater with everyone around you just laughing at all the jokes. Ooh, these these jokes just hit harder. Um, we, we talked about a bunch of them last week, so I'm not going to go on for too long. All I'm going to say is there's some really funny shit. There's a lot of stuff with, like, bees that made me, like, hardcore cringe. Uh, they they brought back, like, the cup test. It's it's jackass. Can't really like. I'm I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to psychoanalysis, but that would be my favorite thing I saw. All right. Uh, I have not seen this yet. Yet I'm probably not going to see. You don't it. need to see it. No. I, yeah. This. Yeah. I. There's basically. I've been told if there are certain jackassy things that sound interesting to me, just watch the clips watch on, them YouTube. on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Watch, basically watch the golf scene on YouTube. The, the air horn golf scene is a universal scene. Like anyone. Uh, Kelly, you seen, you, you seen jackass forever? I've only seen the first jackass and that was on a double date. So no one was really paying attention to it. Uh, <laughs> so I never wow. really uh, fell in love with the jackass. films like, like everybody else. I've seen clips. They're funny. They're just not my kind of thing. Scott, I don't know. Are you a jackass guy? Scott does not seem like 
I haven't seen any of them. However, I saw the trailer for Jackass Forever so many times that when we get off the call, I'm going to have to ask, or when we get when we're not live anymore, I'm going to have to ask Payson whether the bear eats that guy because that's really the only thing I care about is did the bear eat that guy? Because I've saw the trailer so many times. No, same reaction after watching The Revenant. Okay, Scully, (laughs) what was your favorite movie you logged this week? Uh, favorite movie a lot this week. I was able to go back to uh, an, an, an old favorite of mine, uh, one that is actually in my top ten of all time. Uh, it's it's an, it, Inception. Yeah, this is uh, all time great film. Nolan directs the hell out of this. I think this is his best effort as a director. Um, he just he like this film is it's a it's a masterpiece. There's really no other other way to put it. Every character is intriguing uh and has their own kind of own backstory um i think tom hardy and joseph gordon levitt have just some of the best like like chemistry between like two not not rival characters but two characters that like have like different opinions of, of each other and i think that the scene where uh where, where where levitt is shooting at the adversary and then hardy comes in with the grenade launcher uh is uh, legitimately one of my favorite uh, m- moments in all of film, just because I think that's just a, as, as such a nice like moment of comedy in a very like intense and like twisted, warped film. Um, and the the ending, like, like the whole time sequence with the airport and um, and him going home, is one of my favorite scenes ever. I always cry at, at, at the end of that film because I think it just puts a bow on uh, absolutely amazing film. Um, so yeah, I absolutely adore this movie. It's in my top 10 for a reason. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, I, I won't spend too much time on this movie cause I've talked about this movie to death, but this is the movie that made me love movies. Like this is, this is the movie that made me fall in love with movies. Uh, I, I love that. It's, it's basically an amalgamation of everything, right? It's a little bit of a heist movie, a little bit of a sci-fi movie, a little bit of an action movie, you know, a little bit of the of a thriller, tragic bit, romance. Yeah, uh, it's just kind of got everything in there, and it's great. Uh, I, you know, people will suddenly will get on Nolan for being too exposition heavy, and that's fair. I don't feel that with this movie. There are other movies I feel it like I feel it with Interstellar. I don't feel that with this one at all. Like it has a lot of exposition, but it never feels like I'm just being overwhelmed with exposition. I think he makes it really fascinating. I think this is some of his best writing. Uh, and yeah, I agree. Best work as a director. Scott, Inception? Of course, it's great. Uh, I mean, th- with the exposition thing, my my opinion on that always is, would you rather he not explain it to you, right? Like, when you're going to build a world this complicated with rules this complicated, uh, sometimes you got to just have uh, Elliot Page saying, um, wait, so whose you know, subconscious are we going into now, right? Like, that's, you know, one of the more famous moments of exp- exposition from the movie. So I, that doesn't bother me at all. This movie is more towards the middle of my Nolan list, but we're, again, we're talking about one of my favorite directors. So, I, I mean, it's obviously like a visionary movie and... I think for all of us, just blew, you know, mind blowing when it came out. Yeah. Uh, Payson. Yeah. Uh, I was 13 when I first saw Inception. And when you're 13, you see Inception, you think it's one of the greatest movies of all time. And then you watch it again. And it's still really, really good. I thought it was going to go somewhere else. No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I, 
Okay, fair. Uh, I love Inception. Uh, I think it is probably my favorite Nolan movie. It's definitely, to me, the peak he has been as a both a director and as a storyteller. I think it is the um, like perfect mix of um, both of his uh, talents. Just all the ideas I still think are just super cool. Um, all the visuals, all the action set pieces, everyone goes back to the hallway fight, and that fight still holds up to this day. Um, obviously, it's Oscar nomination day. I still think one of the biggest crimes in the past, like, 10, 20 years, the fact that Nolan did not get a Best Director nomination for this movie, I think is kind of insane. Um, no, I think this movie is excellent. Uh, yeah. Uh, so now we will get... Was that everyone on Inception? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now it's me. Uh, yeah. My favorite movie I watched this week. Uh, I've been... It's a lot of rewatches this week. So I'll pick a movie I hadn't seen in a little bit. And, man, th this is just one of those rare, just perfect blockbusters. Alien. Uh, the original Alien. Uh, this I don't normally do rewatches on this, but man, Alien is just such a good movie. Like we talk about, like the the you know a, a lot of the different like how it's kind of a, more of a horror movie as opposed to Aliens and all the different things. But I also love how like the first half hour of this movie is kind of a hangout movie. Like it's it lets the characters just kind of breathe, and you get a lot of the dynamics, and you actually. Horror writers, take notes. You actually care about these characters before they just start being picked off one by one. Like, that's, that is, yes, that's what makes it scarier is because these are people we like and we care about. We don't even have to like them. We have to care about them. And that's what this movie makes us do. Uh, I, I love what they do with Ian Holm in this movie. I never really realized how actually good that is. And just the way... How Sigourney, how Ripley does not feel like the main character when you start this movie. And she just kind of accidentally becomes the main character. And that's great. This whole cast is fantastic. Yafit Koto. Yafit Koto's great in this movie. He's he's fantastic. He's all he's always great. He's one of the most underrated like character actors of all time. He's he's great. Uh I'll go to Scully last because he's Ridley Scott boy. Uh, Scott. Scott on Ripley. Ripley the, 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 the Ripley Scott boy and the actual Scott. Yeah, the actual. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have to give it up for my namesake. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. I haven't seen it in actually quite a long time. I need to rewatch it. Now that you've mentioned it, I should actually do that sometime soon. But, but yeah, no, I totally agree with you too that like the slow burn nature of it is what, I mean, I like slow burn horror stuff in general. I think it's, effective because it just makes the horror stuff more shocking when you don't know exactly what is coming and obviously this movie has like the one of the most shocking scenes in any horror movie with the very first chest burst so um yeah it's uh it's fantastic and i i don't think the debate is worth having between alien versus aliens because they're both phenomenal at what they are and they're both just you know completely different okay. uh patient no, yeah, this is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And I think this is just peak genre cinema. Like, this is, like, one of the better sci-fi movies of all time. Um, 
I think, like Boatman said, the way how it establishes all the characters and how I can name pretty much every single character and I can say, like, what their personality type is, I think is really, really, um, like, super cool. Um, the fact that it sets up Dallas as, like, the main character and he's one of the first people to die, you're like, oh, shit. Um, just like Jaws, which came out, obviously, in the same decade, the way how this movie completely takes its time in showing the monster and showing the big threat i think is so effective and my gosh those practical effects still hold up to this day um i i think aliens is a little underloved in this community i do think aliens is a great action movie but you will never find me saying it's better than this movie this is i want to say my second favorite ridley scott movie and it is absolutely like just pitch perfect in my eyes ridley scott boy yeah, I'll be completely honest. For the longest time, I liked Aliens more than Alien, as as, as hard as to believe. But that was like when I was like 14, 15. But I rewatched both recently, and Alien is superior in pretty much every way. I think Alien is now my favorite horror film ever. It's surpassed Halloween 1978. Both those films do an incredible job of just dragging out every single sequence, just get, leaving you on, on, on the edge of your seat. Like, be, And it's kind of even better when you, when you rewatch it because... You not only do you know what's coming, you just get to, you you appreciate how well thought out and how well directed the film is. Like like really does a phenomenal job of giving you a moment with like each and every one of these characters. You build a relationship with them and with each and and like the characters with each other, and then and then and then you just kill them without without hesitation. So at the same time, you're kind of just stabbing your audience in the gut while building up the villain to be utterly terrifying and all powerful. And, it's, and that's just genius. Um, I, the chest burster scene is, is still great. Those effects are like just for 1979. Those effects are awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't, actually I don't know where this ranks on really Scott for me. Um, I don't, I don't think it's top three, but it, 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 it might be top five. I have to, I'll, I'll have to rewatch Blade Runner and, and a few of his others to actually get a full comprehensive list. But it's it's one of his best, and it's it's a, it's a it's a great movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now that's everyone for favorite movie you watch this week. Let's do the opposite. Uh, let's start with Scott again. Okay. Yeah. Well, I go to the theater about every single week and see sort of whatever the new release is. And so I had two choices this weekend and I, we've already established that I had no interest in seeing Jackass. Uh, so that meant, unfortunately I was saddled with Moonfall uh, and Moonfall is very, very bad. Um, I did not really expect it to be good, but I was hoping that it was at least fun uh, that's not really what Roland Emmerich does, right? He he takes his, that's the problem with his filmmaking is that he takes these situations so seriously. Um, obviously, it would be a very serious thing if the moon was actually falling, but it's not, and it probably won't. Um, so it's it's crazy the, the level of, again, seriousness that the performers are giving to just this ridiculous material. Um there's just a lot of stupid like plot holes in the movie as you would expect. And then the, the movie like takes an insane direction when they actually get to the moon. And like, basically there's a conspiracy theory 
conspiracy theorist character who's played by John Bradley in the movie. And the movie like is like, yeah, the conspiracy theorist who is like probably like a QAnon dude in real life. He's right about everything, uh, which is an in insane direction, obviously, for the movie to take. Um, so that was stupid. Donald Sutherland gets literally wheeled out in a wheelchair for one scene of the movie to give exposition about how the moon landing was all a hoax and how the, the footage went like black for two minutes or something on the moon landing because NASA was doing sketchy stuff or whatever. And then he just wheels back into the darkness and is never seen again for the rest of the movie. Um, not even the effects or anything are really that fun. It's just, it's spectacularly dumb. I don't recommend going to see it even for like a let's laugh at this because even the laugh laughable moments are few and far between. So yeah, another classic from uh, the master of disaster. Payson, have you yeah. seen Logged It yet or Moonfall yet? No. Uh, funny story. I was going to go see it tonight. And then Tim Ooh. messaged me and said, Hey, can you be on Logged It? And I had to think for a second, fuck, do I blow Tim off in order to go see Moonfall? And I decided not to. Good. So call. I'll see if I see it tomorrow. Uh, so I have a pitch for Moonfall. Uh, what if you were to turn this into like a video game? You set it, and this is going to sound very random, over, like, three days. But you can, like, repeat those three days in order to get more progress. Um, let's say you're in... Okay, this is not going anywhere. Wrong crowd. I'm sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, yeah. You spent a long time talking about a movie you haven't seen. Uh, Scully. <laughs> yeah, you were saying... I haven't, but Payson's, with Payson's video game, it'll eventually be developed into a movie, and we'll have gone on to this nice little cycle. But yeah, no, I haven't seen Moonfall. I'm not going to see Moonfall. Roland Emmerich's such an up-and-down director. I mean, I love Independence Day. Uh, I love The Patriot. I like White House Down. The rest of what he's done, I'm just not a big fan of. Yeah. It's been 25 years since most of those movies there. Yeah, Roland Emmerich does not seem like a Bowman director. No. He's, well, he's, he's kind of the anti-Bowman. Really? Uh, Payson? Oh, man. Talking about bad movies I saw in theaters. Uh, I saw one that came out last week. Uh, it's called The uh, it's called the King's Daughter. Oh, boy. Uh, so let me tell you a little thing about this movie. This movie uh, has been in development since 1999. Okay? They started filming in 2014. They finished filming in 2015, and then they eventually decided, you know what, this isn't that good, let's just not release it. Uh, then COVID happened, and uh, I'm guessing the studio needed to fill a slot in the calendar, so they're like, hey, get that movie, finish up the effects, and put it out in theaters. Uh, I rarely give half stars. This movie is deserving of a half star. This is a movie about this princess, who's the daughter of a king, Naturally. And uh, the king finds a mermaid and uh, keeps it in the lab because he wants to uh, use the mermaid's tears in order to grow young. And then uh, the daughter often sneaks into uh, the little place where the mermaid is being kept and kind of, sort of like, like forms like a little friendship with it. Uh, the best thing I can describe this movie, not only is it, I, I think the worst thing is just it's so boring and so lifeless like, it's barely even a fun bad. Like, I think the, the one moment I... There are two moments I laughed in the movie. There's one part where Pierce Brosnan is just standing at his little, like, balcony. And he's just standing here. And the next shot is just slightly more zoomed in. And the next shot is slightly more zoomed in. And one final time, 
you get a full zoom in on his face. And it's just like, okay, that was way more dramatic than it, it can be. And of course, if you've seen the poster, you see Pierce Brosnan's wig in this movie, and it is sort of gloriously bad. Uh, this movie has the balls to sequel bait at the end, because the whole point of the movie is they're trying to... I shouldn't spoil anything, but uh, all no, I will say is... Please. Spoiler alert for King's Daughter. When I put my hands down, all oh, the spoilers over. The whole movie they're trying. Actually, if you guys don't want to hear spoilers, I don't want to well, Scott, do you care? I don't care. Also, Moonfall has a sequel bait, by the way. I should have mentioned yeah. that. Like, oh, time, you care. No one cares. Okay. The whole time they're, trying to find, they're, they're, they're trying to find Atlantis throughout the entire movie. And in the end, they finally get to Atlantis, and the movie ends. Okay, no one here has seen The King's Daughter, I assume, correct? No, but it's 90 minutes, so that makes it better than Moonfall. It does, it does. I, I will give you the credit, it's short. That's fair. Uh, that, let's just move on, because I don't want to spend more time Please. talking about this garbage. Scully, what's your crap? Uh, my crap is a crap that's been around uh, almost as long as uh, you and I have, Bowman. It's Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we're speaking longer. Yeah, yeah, a bit longer. Here's the thing. If you, like, uh, you can, this is a movie where, like, you, you can just laugh. Like, like you can laugh at how bad it is. But, like, there's just so many performances and scenes that are that are just so cringe and so lifeless. Like, 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 there's just a whole scene where it's just Michael Gough, George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, and um, uh, fucking... Alicia Silverstone, that's just like standing in silence for like a good seven seconds. And, and you wonder if, if, if Joel Schumacher just kept the camera rolling just because he was sound asleep and just did not care what was going on. I mean, if, if you look at all, all the interviews and the promos they did for this movie, not a single one of them was enthusiastic about the work they did. And it shows. Um, well, you know, Schwarzenegger's... He he's fun bad. I I think he's the only person who actually had fun with this. Uh, Uma Thurman is awful. I legitimately think like it is one of the it's one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Just because like she tries to be so grandiose and informal with her performance, it just completely falls flat. Um, you know, George Clooney. I mean, the dude is essentially Bruce Wayne, but without being Batman. So. He's a pretty good Bruce Wayne. He's better than Val Kilmer, I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, this movie's just it, there's just there's just nothing redeemable about it. Um, the, the, the there's like fifty too many ice puns. Um, I I have to remember one day. I keep forgetting to count the number of ice puns in the movie. I will do that one day. Um, I just forgot to this time. See, I've never understood the argument that this is, like, a fun, bad movie. Because I truly view this as, like, an awful comedy. Because that's what this movie is trying to be. It's trying to be a comedy. It's not trying to be a serious Batman movie. It is Joel Schumacher doing this kind of weird, winky thing to the 60s Batman. Right? It's it's doing kind of a super uh, a weird meta spoof of Adam West Batman, and that just doesn't work at all. Uh, yeah, it's an awful awful film. I don't understand the people who say, "Well, it's like a fun bad." No, is it? If you think this is a fun bad, like, can I recommend some other bad comedies like Jack and Jill 
or uh, master in, master of disguise. Ooh, yeah, or, or grown ups too. Bucky Larson. No, you can't <laughs> make Cody. That's what we call a callback. Hey, Scott. Um, you know, I'm not honestly sure if I've ever seen it all the way through. I've seen it like on TNT, like bits of it before for sure. I'm going to be honest. I probably wouldn't hate it that much. I think I could probably find some stuff to laugh about it uh, in there, but I haven't really seen it, I don't think. Right. And Payson, did you talk about this? Uh, I have not. Uh, this movie's dog shit. Uh, I do not like this movie. Uh, it is proof as to why the 60s Batman show is 20 minutes and not um, two hours, even though the 66 movie is better than this steaming pile. Um, Mr. Freeze, like, yeah, I agree with Scully. Probably the only, like, thing that will get, like, laughs just because it's so lazy that I'm just like, huh, okay. Um, Uma Thurman's awful. I don't blame her, per se. Um, I, I don't really blame any of the actors because you can't really work around, like, a script like this. Um, I blame Chris O'Donnell, absolutely. I'll put all the blame on him out there. Chris O'Donnell's awful. Um, just, like, everyone makes fun of the fucking bat nipples and everything. Like, that's, the, those jokes have been overdone. What I will say is, is uh, Barbara Gordon is from England in this movie, and she attends the University of Oxbridge, which I can only <laughs> assume is the combination of Oxford and Cambridge. I assume, what I have all of my head canon is that this is, like, a super awful school that just wanted to sound fancy, so they just took <laughs> the names Oxford and Cambridge and combined them and hoped that people would be stupid enough to attend. Guys, yeah, that's my I, head. I have an idea for a new university, Harvale. <laughs> that that sounds like a CD strip club. Get him out of my sight. That sounds okay. almost like my last name. So yeah. Okay, that's you sound like a CD strip club. Okay, my worst movie log this week is 2018's The Predator. Uh, Shane Black is legitimately like one of the best writers like working. He's fantastic. He writes incredible scripts. He's he's a great writer. I think his directorial track record was solid. And then he makes this steaming turd pot. Like this movie is absolute garbage uh it's it's not good um like the old the only like real redeeming quality is keegan michael Key. he's great he's having a lot of fun he's clearly kind of doing like the shane black character from predator and that works but everyone else is like everyone else is like met to bad and making the predator a good guy is a real We've really dumb idea. That does not make sense. Uh, yeah, this this movie and it's a lot of like fringe humor and bad dialogue. It, it doesn't. Scott, you seen the Predator? Unfortunately, no. I wish I had though because I would have got two points on a trivia question once instead of one. Okay. That's really all that matters to me. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Payson. Uh, yeah, I've seen this movie. It's bad. I remember at like the end of 2018, I don't think I had hated this movie quite to the level that I think a, a, a lot of other people I knew. Like, it's a bad movie. Like, I'd say it would be like two stars, but like, 
I know people that hate this movie. The one thing I do remember that I hate is I I I think I defend the original Predator a little bit more than other people in this community. Um, this movie is if every every character in the Predator is essentially Hawkins in Predator, where they're just saying the same sophomoric juvenile lines that that character did, and it, it wasn't even that funny back then, and it's really not funny now. So yeah, this is not a good movie. Scully? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the movie the first time um, a few weeks ago. I mean, I, I agree it's not great, but personally, I kind of I, I, I kind of I liked the direction that Black tried to go with there with there being like a, a predator like who was trying to help out other planets who are being victimized by predators. Like I think I think that's a very interesting arc that I think would have been a lot better if we had a better script. Because the, the the script is just it's terrible. Boyd Holbrook is bad. I do like King King Michael Key and Thomas Jane. I think those two are the only two who I think are actually having a really good time. I don't even want to acknowledge what Jacob Tremblay was doing. I don't even know why that Shane Black made the character the way he made he made him. Um, and Olivia Munn turns into Rambo apparently like halfway through, even though she's a scientist. Um, just a lot of things just don't make sense. But I, I do kind of dig what he's going. Like, I can understand what he's trying to go for. It just didn't seem like he had developed the idea in his head enough to make a coherent script. And that's where I think the problem lies in the film. Um, and also, a lot of bad performances. The, 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 the casting was was pretty terrible. And you want to talk about sequel baiting. This absolutely sets up a sequel that will, ap- that will never happen. Never happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now we get into what movie did you add to your watch list that you're most excited about? Uh, really? Oh, Lord. I never add anything to my watch list. Just um, pick a movie you're excited to watch. It doesn't actually have to be on your watch list. The Batman. I'm hyped for the Batman. I've been hyped for the Batman since, since it was announced. We've seen 20 minutes of this movie in previews. And, and in TV spots, and it's it's a three hour movie. I have no idea what's going to happen in this film. I I'm excited. I I'm I'm going to go to my theater on on, on March third or whenever it's coming out. I'm going to get the big gulp. I'm going to sit in that theater till my bladder hurts and watch that whole movie. And I'm going to have a great time because Batman is returning to theaters, and we should respect Matt Reeves and everything he represents because this man, like just. Like just because he like keeps the fans updated on everything that's going on, and he's a fully transparent director, kind of like how James Gunn is, like like with his films, is amazing. So I can't wait to see this film. You should not wait to see this film. You should see it opening weekend with everyone else, and we'll, and we'll all have a good time. Uh, my pick, uh, I I'm going to go with uh, Hollywood Shuffle. There's a film from the '80s. Uh, it's Seen, I, I'm not super familiar with it, but it, it's uh, starring and directed by uh, Robert Townsend, and it looks like kind of a, a satire on Hollywood, and I've heard nothing but great things about it, and I want to watch it. Scott? Uh, I had a 
added a Chinese movie called Goodbye Dragon Inn that I have seen a lot of things about, like on film Twitter and whatnot, by this director, Sai Ming Liang. Uh, it's about like the last day of a movie theater, like when on its closing and like what interactions between the patrons and stuff of the movie theater. So that sounds like something I'd be into. Nathan? Uh, yeah, Scott kind of alluded to it. I watched Before Sunrise for the first time uh, last week, and I really liked it. So I'm very excited to watch uh, Before Sun Before Sunset and Before Midnight. So uh, yeah, 2030. I, I'm doing the full experience, so 2031 cannot come soon enough. Fair. <laughs> okay. Well, let's uh, now get into the meat and potatoes of the show. What our picks for romantic comedies? Let's start with let's start with Scott. Okay, I'm gonna go for the chalk AFI pick here though, but it, it legitimately is one of my favorite romantic comedies. Uh and it is the classic City Lights. Um I think this is number the number one romantic comedy according to AFI. That's why I said that. But um yeah, I love this movie. Um it's my favorite film I've seen from Charlie Chaplin. Um He's doing his usual little tramp uh, shtick in the movie, but uh, there's a really sweet romance at the heart of it um, between him and this blind flower girl. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, it leads to an ending that I think is, you know, one of the more iconic endings in uh, movies and just one of the sweeter endings to a, you know, romantic movie romantic comedy in general um it has great comedy in it as well there's these there's this whole side plot about where uh charlie chaplin keeps running into this like drunken rich guy and saving him from all these weird escapades and everything um and there's also a great scene where he um is boxing um or he's not boxing he has to fight this he has to box this much larger man and um it ends up him trying to dodge the guy for a very long period of time. And it's, you know, as a lot of Chaplin's comedies are, it has like this incredible choreography to it. I think it's, it's up there with like that uh, famous roller skating scene from modern times in terms of like the, you know, some of the best like action choreography, whatever you, however you want to describe it um, of any comedy, silent comedy, whatever. Um, and it's just, it's a really fun movie. Like I, I know like, silent movies aren't necessarily for everyone, but this has got to be one of the most accessible ones ever. Um, and if you're talking about the rom-com genre, I feel like it has to be included because the, I mean, the rate is, it is about the romance. That is the central plot. And yeah, just the way that that comes to an uh, head at the end is really beautiful. So um, city lights, great movie. Payson, have you seen city lights? Uh, I have not. I don't think I've seen a Chaplin movie and I need to. Scully. This movie came out like way even before my grandmother was born. What do you think? Fair. I've actually also never seen City Lights. This is one I've, I've never seen. I've been meaning to watch it for the longest time. Never watch it. All right, Payson, your first pick. All right, we're going to be very on brand, and I'm going to be, be picking uh, Punch Drunk Love. Uh, I love this movie. Um, I... Definitely think it is one of my favorite romantic comedies. Like you told me the topic, this was the first one I hoped I was going to be able to pick. Um, I think the story of Barry Egan, just like before he meets Lena, like, yeah, he like, 
he's doing okay, like, financially, but you see just how, like, troubled he is. One with how just, like, kind of awful his family is to him. And two, just, like, how lonely he seems. And then just, like, the second he meets Lena, like, one of my favorite things about this is, like, it almost seems too good to be true. Like, she just loves, like, every single, like, small, like, quirk about him. And you think something's gonna turn, and it doesn't. And that's kind of why I love this. Uh, Until Uncut Gems, this was definitely my favorite Adam Sandler um, role. I think he uses all of his Sandlerness to an effect. Like, he is doing kind of, like, the Sandler voice stuff. But I think it works very well here. Um, one of the small aspects I love, I, I love that his suit just doesn't fit, like, quite right. Like, and it doesn't even seem like a job where, like, because he's, like, a salesman. And it doesn't even seem like, he kind of seems overdressed if you see everyone around him. And, um, I mean, everyone talks about him in this movie, but Philip Seymour Hoffman giving one of the best, like, yelling performances just like his scene on the phone where he's like, no, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And um, just the relationship he has with Emily Watson. Like one of my favorites is when Barry leaves Lena for the first, for the first time and he's going down to the lobby and the lobby and the person in the lobby is like, Hey, you know, you have a, exactly. Yes. Uh, put a, put a quarter in the jar. Um, uh, yes. And this movie is funny. That uh, That's the thing. Um, but um Oh, where was I? When he's down in the lobby and the person calls him and, and the woman says, hey, hey, you have a call. And the person calling is Lena and she says, hey, I, hey, I really uh, wish you would have kissed me there. And he just goes right back up. You see this whole thing. One of my favorite. Uh, one a funny scene. He goes down one hall in the hotel and then you just stay on the shot and then he just goes the other way because we've all been that a point in the hotel where you take the wrong turn. And he just kisses her and then just like going to Hawaii. Is, it's just so sweet. And like everyone talks about this, this aspect of the movie. It's so pretty. Like the color choices in this movie, just how everything just sort just how it like slightly flickers off the camera. It's just so genius. Like I I love this movie. Uh yeah, Scully, thoughts on Hunt Shrink Love. I haven't seen it. That's okay. fair. Uh yeah, I I really like this. Uh Hunch Drunk Love is this really brilliant idea of what if you took the Adam Sandler type character. And it's not about like changing that type of character. Like this character isn't that different from Happy Gilmore. The difference is not the character. The difference is the world in which that character inhabits. It is what if you put that type of character in a more realistic, darker world where not everything works out. And I think that is what is so genius about that movie. Sandler is really good, but I really think it's PTA who knows how to use Sandler. He knows, like, that really, Sandler's not the problem with the bad Sandler movies. It's that he, his movies usually have him as a character in an unrealistic world that is way too goofy and rewarding of terrible people. And in this, this movie really beats the crap out of Adam's Sandler before, you know, he's eventually rewarded. But it's, it's a really nice movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Just fantastic. It is now probably my personal headcanon that that is where Cooper Hoffman's character ends up. I'd love uh, it. 
It's it's a mattress store. Uh, Scott, thoughts on Punch Drunk Love? Uh, yeah, I just watched it for the first time, actually, um, because it was the last PTA movie I hadn't seen before Licorice Pizza came out. Um, yeah, I definitely like it. It's not one of my favorites of his, but it's a nice entry in his filmography because, you know, you think about, like, There Will Be Blood, Magnolia, Phantom Thread. These are, like, really heavy movies, and as good as they are, it's not, like, something that's necessarily easy to watch and rewatch. This movie, obviously, is, you know, super short. It's, you know, sweet. It's easy to rewatch i think and it just shows what a versatile filmmaker that i think pta is and i agree like i think all of sandler's best movies are the director knows how to use his energy i i think this movie and you know uncut gems and Meyerowitz stories like when he has a real director behind the camera like it makes a Don't world you of difference. Dare talk about Dennis Dugan. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes a world of difference. Uh, I think when he doesn't have Dennis Dugan behind the camera. So uh, yeah, that's my thought on that. But, yeah, he's great. Good choice. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, Scully, your first pick. Yeah, I think for my first pick. I'm going to give you a, a, a chance to take the, the one at the top, but I, I'm going to go with what if, or as, a, or, or as it's otherwise known, the, uh, the, the F word. That was going to be my next pick. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. I switched oh, it up at the end. Um, but, yeah, I, um, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen this movie all the way through now twice, and at, like every time I can find little clips of it, I watch them. Because I'm just I'm just obsessed with this movie. I think it just it it I think it just captures that 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 human spirit of of just like when of when you like of when you meet someone and you're just just in love with them. Like you you just know that that's the person that you want to spend the rest of, of your life with. I mean, and having to like navigate the world that you already live in now that you know that that person exists. I think that's ex- ex- that's that's it's that's told so well in this film i think daniel radcliffe like this is objective this might objectively be the best performance of his career i, have, I haven't seen like like some of his stuff like in the last uh years or, or stuff um but he he's just incredible i think i think his time as harry as harry potter especially in the later films was it he, he was able to really grasp how to capture that that sort of internal pain so I think he he's able to use that, but in a much different context here. In what if, um, I think his 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 um his chemistry with Zoe Kazan is incredible. I think he and Adam Driver have terrific chemistry. Adam Driver giving some just some of the best one-liners in like in in a rom-com. Um, I think he's such a perfect foil to Radcliffe's character. I think that's important in a rom-com where you have a more quiet, uh, reserved character. And the loud, brash, outgoing person—it's kind of like the 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 Bert and Ernie, uh, if you will. Um, I, I feel like every comedy needs that kind of dynamic, um, and it's it's on full display here. But uh, everything about this film works. Everything from just just I just from the emotions behind it, from the performances. There's just a, the, this movie just gives off a feeling of like. I wish I could experience that. I think, unlike a lot of other films that I've seen, there's 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 not there's not a lot of films that are able to make me feel like that's it. That's exactly 
the feeling that I, that 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 I wish that I had. And for film to do that for me, all the props in the world. I absolutely adore this movie. Yeah, uh, what if is incredible. Daniel Radcliffe is like a weirdly perfect like comedic straight man, and he is so good in this. Uh, one of the funniest scenes in a movie ever, in my opinion, is Daniel Radcliffe and Rocky Spall uh, in the apartment when Rafi Spall falls out the window. That is like one of the funniest things <laughs> you've ever seen. It's so great. Uh, and Daniel Radcliffe's reaction makes it even better. Adam Driver is like one of the most perfect like rom-com friends of all time. Like just just the perfect rom-com friend. I think we've all quoted, I've had I just had sex and now I get to eat nachos. Nachos! It's the greatest thing of my life and you're ruining it! I I want more Adam Driver comics. He is so good in comedic roles. Uh, everyone in this movie is great. Zoe Kazan is basically the 2010s Meg Ryan. Like, in that just the perfect rom-com yeah. actress. Like, she she is just amazing at rom-coms. Um, this movie's really sweet. I like it a lot. Uh, Scott? Um, yes, I've seen it a couple times. It's good. I don't like it as much as everyone else. Um, I think that, like, the Adam Driver and Mackenzie Davis stuff just, like, takes it out of the real world a little bit for me because they're just, like, aggressive, like, aggressively, like, over-the-top, strange, quirky characters, which work will work for some people. Didn't totally work for me. There's also, like, a, um, you know, a lot of scatological humor in it, which is not always, like, my favorite brand of humor. Um, so some of that doesn't always register with me. But I totally get why people like it. It's still very enjoyable. I still really like the central romance between the two characters. I do think that is really believable. That's why some of the other stuff is just, like, a little distant for me. But it's a good movie. It's fair. All right. Uh, now we go over... Oh, wait, Payson, you haven't talked about this movie. No, I have not. Uh, yeah, uh, I love this movie. Uh, I watched this movie on Scully's recommendation, and I have to thank him for that. Uh, yeah, I think um, Radcliffe and Kazan are just so great in this. You rarely ever see like Radcliffe like, play like just a character this human in a way. Like, like I'm like I'm not saying he's like bad in the Harry Potter movies, but he, th those are definitely like a different type of movie. Like I, I just like him playing this type of guy. Um, I think the backstory he has with like, oh, he was in medical school. He fell in love with someone over there, uh, over there, and like that's sort of like stick stuck in his mind like this whole time. Um, like Boat said, Adam Driver is so good. I love that character so much and how he just like. He just wants the best for Radcliffe, like, in every single aspect. And, um, yeah, I, um, I think setting, setting this, uh, the, the fact that this movie is in Canada, I think, is very funny because Canada just, is just kind of like a funny country. Like, it almost doesn't seem re real at times, but it's right there, and they're just Canadian. Um, but, yeah, this is, this is a very good movie. I, I do want to add uh, a point that, that, that Eames made. There are couples like that that exist i've met them and that is a okay like mackenzie davis and adam driver give a perfect interpretation of what those couples are and, and, and their energy and they are perfect foils to kazan and radcliffe it's awesome absolutely 
Okay, uh, now we go over to my first pick, and I'm going to go with a movie I love, one of my favorite movies of all time, a movie I watched recently because it was seasonal. I am going with 1992's Groundhog Day. Or 93, excuse me, 1993's Groundhog Day. Not myself. 1993's Groundhog Day. Uh, this is... Uh, just an incredible movie. Uh, I love the transformation of the character of Phil Connors from just this like giant jerk. Like he's a jerk, but he's a jerk in the Bill Murray way, right? Bill, there are very few actors that are as good at just being a great comedic jerk as Bill Murray. Like he can, he just pulls it off perfectly. Like you definitely think, oh wow. This is a dude who I would not want to hang out with in real life. At the same time, like, but he's so funny, though, because he is so good at it. He, like, balances that perfect line of, like, just mean enough and just likable enough. And it, it's it's perfect. Uh, I love how this town feels like a character itself. Like, every side character in this town, I love Ned Ryerson, Nancy. I love Brian Doyle Murray as the mayor. He's clearly having a ball in this. I love that they're not even going to show up on screen, but I love the radio announcers. Like, they're, they're super fun. Uh, and just, like, this character just getting better by being forced to live this same day over and over again. It's great. And Andy McDowell, Andy McDowell is just so perfect because she's likable, but like, she's not like this, like perfect kind of manic pixie dream girl. She feels like a real person. We understand the flaws that she has, but we also understand why Bill Murray is attracted to her, and she she's fantastic in this. Um, Scott, thoughts on Groundhog Day? Great movie. Uh, probably my second favorite Bill Murray comedy after Ghostbusters. Um, I think it's fantastic, and it it I mean it's a great premise, obviously, and it has inspired a lot of great movies from that. So I love it because of that too, because I think it has inspired a lot of. Uh, movies that I love. And yeah, I like that the central plot is just about somebody's journey to be a good person. You know, again, one of the movies that it inspired that's one of my personal favorites is Happy Death Day. Um, and that movie is the same thing. So it owes that to Groundhog Day. It's just about somebody who has to, you know, appreciate the little things and the little, you know, weird interactions that you have with people on a daily basis um, in order to you know, become a better person, become a more compassionate person, um, which is, you know, a heartwarming thing to see. So it's a great movie. Bill Murray's perfect for it. Mm -hmm. Payson. This is absolutely like one of my favorite uh, movies of this genre. Just one of my favorite movies, like in general, um, Bill Murray is such a perfect douche in this movie. Like you are right on point boat, like the perfect amount of unlikable, but you still are entertained by watching him. And just, everyone talks about it, but just the whole arc that his character goes on, like, like the first few days he just has no idea what's going on, 
And then eventually just realizing, you know what, I'm just going to let every single awful tendency I have just run wild. Like, you just start stealing money. He just starts getting women. And then he's like, okay, I still can't get out. So he tries to uh, hook up with Andy McDowell. And he's like, but shit, it's never going to get better than that. And then you get the whole, like, montage of him, like, trying to kill himself. And it's like, well, shit, I really can't get out of this. And then he finally comes to the terms of, like, you know what? I'm just going to try to be the best person I can be. And it really is, like, a sweet story in a way. Um, early Michael Shannon uh, cameo, I'm not sure if it's first if it's his first role, but it's, like, the first thing I can think of him in. Uh, he plays, like, a couple, like, he plays one half of a, of a couple that runs in the fill in this movie, and I think that's really funny. And, yeah, this movie is just amazing. I got you, babe. Yeah, uh, Michael Shannon cameo is great. Scully. It's been a long time since, since since I've seen Groundhog Day. I need to rewatch it. Um, but I, I remember it being really, really good. I, I Bill, Bill Murray is one of my favorite comedians of all time. I think there's there aren't many comedic actors who can pull off just a just a, a a consistent cavalcade of emotions like he can. Whereas like if it's being like angry or or or, or, or upset or happy or or laughing or just in general like he is in this film just a big jerk um but you have all but you, you get all of that from him in the span of the film and i think that's it just proves that, that he's one of the best comedic actors to ever live okay uh so now we go back over to scott for your second pick all right i picked a classic so i'll pick a modern one now uh let's go with crazy stupid love um so I think this movie has one like very crucial thing wrong with it that prevents it from being like a perfect movie, which is the very weird subplot about like a teenage babysitter sending, giving a nude to her kid that she babysits. Um, but other than that, uh, the movie is fantastic. I just had to get that out of the way. It's elephant in the room, but um, the movie is, is practically perfect other than that. Um, I think the movie has a real like affection for its characters, which I appreciate. Cause like, you know, Steve Carell is obviously his character is portrayed as kind of a, you know, goober who doesn't really know anything about romance, but he has like that one line, right? He has the one line of like, Oh, you're the perfect combination of cute and sexy or whatever he says. And um, even though like everything else about him is dweebish, like Ryan Gosling, who obviously is the complete opposite and is like the, you know, smooth hustler and everything. He, that one line helps him out, right? Like it, it ends up being like a, Hey, there's actually some, you know, some truth in there. Like the sincerity of Steve Carell's character actually like is winning. Um, and Ryan Gosling, I mean, we talk, you talk about Adam driver needing to do more comedies. I mean, Ryan Gosling for, for me should only do comedies because him and this and the nice guys are just like incredible comedic performances. And I don't, I'm not even a huge fan of his dramatic work, but I think he's just so great in those movies. Um, this, this, yeah, the, he's, he's so good in this. Um, the twist that happened somehow, I didn't watch this movie for many years after, until after it came out. Um, and I didn't know the twist when I watched it. And so I was like, what? When it, when it happens, like that whole confrontation scene that happens at the party, whatever it is that they're having at Steve Carell's house is, um, is great if you don't know what's coming. Um, it, so it's a really smartly plotted movie. And I just love like some of the individual scenes, like the, there's one scene where like, you know, there's the famous kind of famous scene of Emma Stone and um, Ryan Gosling, like doing the, you know, dirty dancing um, 
thing. But then after that, like you expect that they're going to like have sex or whatever, but it ends up at the scene of them just like laying in bed and just like goofing off talking for like five, six minutes. And it's just fun to watch. They have great chemistry. Um, and it, I like that it goes in sort of an unexpected direction there. Um, so it's, it's a great movie. The star studded cast really, you know, pays off obviously Julianne Moore, Kevin Bacon, um, everybody's really great in it. So, um, other than that one small, well, maybe not quite small, but, uh, that one glaring, uh, sort of oof that hasn't aged well. I mean, this movie came out in 2011. It wasn't appropriate at the time either, but, um, it's a, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Uh, Payson. Uh, I actually have yet to see this movie. I've heard very good things from people. I need to see it. Scarlett. Yeah, same. I have not seen this one yet, um, but definitely I'm going to put it on, on the watch list. I basically agree with everything Scott said. This movie's excellent, except for that one thing. Uh, I think this movie has one of the funniest scenes of all time. Like, generally one of the best scenes of all time, which is the surprise party scene that Scott was referencing. Legitimately, I think one of the funniest movie scenes ever of any movie ever. I think just makes me laugh every time I watch it. I love that scene. I could watch that scene on repeat. Just just an incredible scene. All right. Uh, so now we go over to Payson. Okay, so when Scott mentioned that AFI has a top 10 rom-coms list, I looked and checked to see if my next pick is on there. And it's not on there. And considering this movie, it kind of makes me feel like I might be stretching here. Would you allow me to pick The Apartment? Jason, I'm not your dad. Okay, <laughs> the apartment is one of my is one of the greatest movies of all time, and uh, it almost kind of transcends the rom com genre in a way. Like when I'm thinking about romantic comedies, is not the first one I think of, but then I'm like, oh yeah, this is one of the best ones of all time. Um, Jack Lemmon as CK as CK Baxter is one of the is one of my favorite characters. Like he just wants people like to like him and he just wants to like be in a certain place and i honestly do kind of relate to that um shirley mclean is giving one of the best performances um she is like at such a terrible time in her life and just in such a terrible situation where like she clearly does like this one guy but she's also found herself in a way where um she's also with someone that she shouldn't be one with how he's abusing his power in two because he's obviously a married guy. And just the way how like you see how CK just is okay with people with like people walking over him as long as if he gets the respect he thinks he's getting, even though those people totally do not respect him. Um, this movie is very funny, but I think anyone that has seen the movie knows how dark this movie gets. It gets into some heavy places, obviously when, um, CK comes home and he finds Fran like almost um, at the brink of death because she took so many pills just because she just couldn't take it anymore. Um, Fred McMurray is such a great like asshole and like slime bag. And I mean, the ending is one of the greatest endings of all time. Like I shut up and deal might be my favorite closing line in movie history. I have to think about that. It's probably not my favorite, but like up, up there with one of my favorites. Um, Totally deserved its best original screenplay nomination win. Totally deserves its best picture win. I love this movie with all my heart. 
Uh, don't love it as much as Redshaw, but still a, an, an incredible, incredible film. I don't think anyone will love this movie as much as Redshaw. Yeah, Scully. Redshaw loves the movie not as much as I personally love Redshaw. Fair. Scully. Yeah, this is this is this is why I avoided picking because I thought that you were gonna pick it both. Um, but yeah, I I love this movie. Every time this movie's on TV, I kind of have to to watch it like however much is left. Um, this it I this it's so well made. Billy Wilder directs the hell out of it. I I just love a, a lot of these individual shots that that we get of the of the different characters. It really puts it into perspective who they are. Um, and kind of what's going through their head, um, then he, he he puts it in a way that where you, you you can like kind of read the minds of of, of, of all the characters and what they're thinking. Um, and I think everyone everyone is giving great great performances. Uh, I I I agree. Uh, Plain is is my personal favorite. I just think she's she's playing such a broken human. And I think whenever I see somebody playing a broken human. It you you kind of just respect them even more because they are putting all the emotions out on full display. They are showing that their 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 life has just led nowhere. They're showing that uh, every like 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 they're thinking that every decision they've ever made is the wrong one. It's very relatable emotions for a lot of people. And I think Shirley MacLaine is able to accomplish so much just by just looking off into nothing like like these blank looks that she gives Sheldrake uh, Baxter or pretty much every character she interacts with because she's such an empty human being inside. She just doesn't, she just doesn't feel whole. Um, and you kind of fall in love with her and Baxter's relationship as he kind of makes her feel whole again as the film goes on um, and vice versa. So I, I, I'm just astounded as to how well made the film is. Um, one of my favorite rom-coms ever, and yeah, this is yeah an incredible movie. Yeah, uh, I love this movie. One of my favorites of all time in my top twenty. Uh, Shrew McLean, you guys all said it. She's incredible in this. The fact that she didn't win an Oscar is insane for this yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, she's she's fantastic. Jack Lemon is super funny in this, but every moment that makes you laugh there's like this just hint of tragedy behind it that is it's a really deft performance it is such like just so it, it is so i think that is such a difficult thing that jack lemon has to do in this movie and that he never really gets like a giant like oscar i'm weeping moment like he doesn't have like his Viola Davis crying scene, right? He always kind of has to be on, which I think is what is so brilliant. Is like he, she's always like almost hiding it. That little bit always seeps through, and you can tell this is a guy who is about three seconds away from tearing up, but tears never come. And that's great. Uh, Wilder, I love the way this movie looks. Wilder is able to make like this this building look like I, the the office building that uh, Baxter works in just looks so soulless, but also at times it looks so full of life. It is 
it is these grand contradictions. Uh, and I think that's where the movie exists, his grand contradictions. All right, Scott. Um, I feel less bad because everyone else hadn't seen City Lights. I've never seen The Apartment. Oh, fair. Fair. Hey, sorry. that means you get to watch the movie for the first time, and I'm. I know, yeah. I, I look forward to it. I know I'm gonna love it. All right, uh, Scully. Oh, I'm debating between a more personal pick and a more objective pick. Let's see. You know what? Screw it. I'm going with the personal pick. I'm going with 1998's The Parent Trap. Oh. Yeah. I again, I'm I'm way higher on this movie than everyone else, but I'll tell you the 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 romantic stuff behind this film is just so subtly well done. It's incredible. Well, first of all, it's 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 Nancy Myers who I think does rom coms really really well. Um, I think that just having like I think that you you, you can break this film up into two parts. There there's the part for the kids with Annie and Hallie at camp, and then there's the part with the adults. With with Elizabeth and Nick, uh, and I think I think that like a, as you grow older and you watch this movie more and more, you start to like the Elizabeth and Nick portions a lot more. And I think just one of the the best scenes is when they reunite for the first time in twelve years, uh, when he falls into the pool and the, and then and, and like she sees him fall in the pool, and she's like shocked that it, it's him, and then he's like. And he and he shocked as well, and then like they 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 just start talking and talking and talking. But I what I love I think most is that Nancy Myers is able to integrate like just 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 little moments of, of humor into these scenes. Like then you have Meredith coming in, and there's just whole this confusion part about how everyone knows each other. Um, I think that Lindsay Lohan helps this a lot in a way. I mean, she uses her her you know her childish charm to kind of soften to kind of soften the ground for everybody to prepare them for, for the heavier romantic stuff that comes later. I think the best scene is with um, Elizabeth and Nick in his wine cellar and he's showing her all like all the wines he collects. And then he shows her like the, the one that was served at their wedding, um, which I is. And, and then there's this little moment where, where they're about to kiss and then, a car, and then a car pulls up with Martin and Chessie and she pulls away and it's like shakes my head and she just shakes her head. Um, and, and that like when you watch that, 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 that kind of breaks you because you, you put yourself in Dennis Quaid's shoes and you're like, fuck, like that was my moment and I blew it. Um, and then the ending where, where in the, 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 the very ending, you know, I, I won't spoil it, but you can probably guess what happens. Um, is beautiful. I think it just it's it's a great mixture of everything that that, that came before it. Lohan kicks ass, uh, and everyone else is just doing a, a phenomenal job. And this is just, this is just a feel good movie. You can laugh, you can cry. Uh, it, it, it's a it's it, 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 I, I, I call it actually it's a pretty good good hangout film as well. Um, there's just so many great little moments in the film for everyone. Um, it's just it's one of those perfect family rom-coms that you can watch just with the whole family right uh yeah uh this is i don't think of this movie as a rom-com but you're not wrong like it's it's basically a rom-com from the perspective of the characters who 
aren't the the romantic leads, which yeah. is actually an interesting idea. I don't know if that makes it a rom com, but like I said, I do. I don't dis- We don't disqualify picks here on Log Day. Uh, I think that yeah, if you're calling it a rom com, it's it's a real good rom com. Uh, there's there's so much focus on just the the sisters aspect of it that I don't know if I would really call it that, but the the stuff that works in this movie does really work, and this is just a super charming movie. I love all the stuff, the camp, uh, the it gets real fun. I I don't think there's enough with the actual two romantic leads interacting is I think the the biggest thing to kind of say. Uh, but still, I, it's a good movie, so I'm not gonna approach it. Scully or Scott. Um, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, uh, but I did like it then. So that's all I have to offer. Fair. Payson. Yeah, I I also haven't seen it in a while, but I know how much Scully really likes this movie, so it does make me want to rewatch it. Um, I think what Scully said about Lohan is so true. Um, I think um, she is so charming, and she totally carries this movie, and you believe that it is two different people when you watch them. Uh, I always find I always found the summer camp scene as a kid like so much fun and like that uh, that car that that poker scene is about as thrilling of a movie as as a scene you will see when you are that age like it's awesome. Um, I remember when I was young I I really hated the woman that uh, Dennis Quaid's character is uh, dating at the time and I and I found when she gets that lizard in her mouth I'm like fuck yeah lizard bitch take that lizard. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, Nancy. Ma- wow, I just realized how bad out of context that sounded. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Nancy Myers really did kind of. In context. Like, yeah, Nancy Myers really did sort of have like a lock on like the studio romantic comedy. So it's nice to have one of her movies on the list. And yeah, this is a good pick. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now we are back to me, and I'm picking a film that it's it's definitely a romantic comedy, but. It also is kind of, it's a little bit of an anti-romantic comedy. It's a little bit of a romantic comedy. You know what I'm picking. I'm I'm Caleb Boatman, and I'm picking 500 Days. Oh, I did not know. Oh, wow, you. really? That's, it, 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 it's also on brand for you, so yes. Uh, I don't know what Payson thought I was going to be picking. But. Uh, a certain person by the name of uh, Shalbert Smokes. But, uh, oh, yeah. yeah no, that, I, I talk about that movie so much. I, I don't talk about this one as much. So I want to talk about this one. I love this movie. Uh, There are a lot of criticisms to this movie. And I think this movie gets fight clubbed in that I think that people see Tom Hansen as a character you are supposed to like and agree with everything. No, no. Tom Hansen does a lot of terrible crap in this movie. And that's the point is that that that's the whole speech that comes at the end of the movie is the realization that Summer was not a terrible person. She just isn't, you know, necessarily that person. Uh, I think that Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel are both really good in this movie. Summer is like I know Summer gets tagged with like the manic pixie dream girl, but I almost think it's kind of like a commentary on that. And I think the expectation versus reality sequence is genuinely one of like the finest sequences in the movie. It is 
it is just such a well-edited, well-done sequence. I think there's a lot of fun little moments. I like the the Ringo debate. I like uh, the the kind of stylistic interview segments, and then just the different forms this movie takes, uh, and and the nonlinear structure. I think really works. It's a great movie. Uh, Scott, another one I haven't seen in a while. I definitely liked it at the time. I would be interested to revisit it though, like with you know, some of the criticisms in mind, I guess. Um, the only thing that this movie, uh, the only way it stands in my memory right now is that my friend, one of my good friends in high school, loved the movie up until the very end where Joseph Gordon-Levitt says, you know, that the girl's name, or that the girl introduces herself as Autumn or whatever. And my friend thought that that was just like the stupidest thing ever and that it ruined the entire movie for them. So that was uh, kind of a dramatic take, but that's like my lone memory of this movie. But like I said, I liked it at the time. Um, I would like to revisit it sometime. I'm not the hugest Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan, but I almost picked one of his movies, 10 Things I Hate About You also, so. Hazen? You're going to hate me. I have yet to see this one. Oh, I don't hate you. Not seeing The Apartment is worse than not seeing 500 Days of Summer, but I didn't hate Scott. So. Yeah, very, very true. Uh, I was actually I, planning on seeing this. I've seen this film below, below with Groundhog Day. It's been a long time, so I really don't remember a whole lot behind it. Um, but I remember in, in, enjoying it. I probably wasn't old enough to like appreciate all there was behind it, but I remember enjoying it the first time. So uh, I'm definitely due for a rewatch. Okay. Uh, so now we go. We've got eight picks. Need two more. I'm just going to go with Scott and Payson because they were the first two people here. So, Scott, one more pick. Okay, I'm going to pick a truly random movie here that probably no one's heard of. But nowadays, um, rom-coms kind of live on Netflix. Um, they're, you know, they're putting out them very frequently, original ones. Most of them aren't very good. However, I'd like to re recommend one that I think is very good and is very charming and that I have watched multiple times. It's a movie called Candy Jar. Um, Not where I thought you were going. You, had you typed in set it up? Because that was the other one that I That is absolutely about. what I typed in. Yeah. Uh, I could have gone with that one too. That's the other one I really like. But um, but Candy Jar, I, I want to recommend because, again, I don't think people have really heard of it. But it's a movie uh, about these two high schoolers who are on their uh, high school debate team. Uh, it's actually my second favorite high school debate movie because Rocket Science is even better. But. Um, they are like these very overachieving um, high schoolers who want to, who are like obsessed with getting into Ivy League schools. But even though they're they go to the same school, they're like huge rivals because obviously each one of them wants to be like the top person on the debate team. And also their their moms, they're both raised by single moms. Christina Hendricks plays the mom of the girl um, Lorna, and then um, Uzo Aduba plays the uh, mom of the the guy. Um, and uh, yeah, the, it's it it's a, it turns into a really fun movie because they have to team up 
to compete in the state debate competition. And obviously they hate each other, but then you know that things are going to change over the course of the movie. Um, it's really likable, really likable characters. Jacob Lattimore and Sammy Gale are the actors who play the two leads. Um, and I just, I mean, it's an interesting world in which to set a romantic comedy. I mean, I did like mock trial speech stuff in high school and throughout college. So like, um, I know this world pretty well. And so that's one of the reasons I think it appeals to me, but you don't see a lot of movies about this type of world. Um, and so I like it, you know, it, they, they get the debate stuff really right in the movie too, like down to like them all starting their arguments by going, is anyone not ready? Uh, which is like what you say in debate, but anyway, uh, it's, so it's a fun movie. It's, you know, a fun setting. Helen Hunt is in the movie as playing a guidance counselor um she's obviously really great also the principal of the school is played by tom bergeron uh from america's funniest home videos which is very random but um yeah fun uh this movie's just really sweet and charming again it's way way better than your average netflix rom-com so give it a chance that's fair uh anyone heard of this Payson? uh i have not scully sounds interesting no. All right. I also have not heard Check it. Check it out. Okay. Uh, that is 500 Days of Summer Club. Fair, fair. All right. Uh, so now, Payson, you want to bring us home? Absolutely. Uh, we talked about Zoe Kazan earlier. We're talking about her again with The Big Sick. Uh, I love The Big Sick. Um, just Kumail Nanjiani just telling the story of how he met his wife. I think is really sweet. Um, just uh, the relationship between Kumail and Emily, how this romance starts in like, uh, it, it, as you're watching it, you're kind of like, dang, this is going pretty fast. And then you're like, oh man, just stuff just doesn't work out. And then the big moment happens where, um, uh, if, you've seen, if, if you haven't seen the movie, um, I, I won't spoil it, but something happens to Emily's character that kind of puts her out of commission for the movie. And then it's really, you're just kind of watching like Kumail, like kind of get his life back together. Um, he has um, incredible scenes with, um, with um, Emily's mom played by Ray Romano and Holly Hunter. I think both of them might be the standouts of the movie. I love those two characters so much. Um, I think probably one of the more famous jokes from this movie is when um, Ray Romano is talking with Kumail and just said, and, makes the 9-11 joke. If, if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and also, like, I, I think a scene that's not talked about enough is when um, Ray Romano's character tells Kumail just, like, the moment he realized how much he loved his wife. And it's like, wow, most movies of this, like, genre wouldn't go there. And I think that's really, uh, like, like really, really cool. Um, and just, like, the scenes where you're with... Um, Kumail's family and how his family wants him to have an arranged marriage and just how he doesn't want to have that. But like the movie doesn't cast judgment on that in any way, because you see how his brother had an arranged marriage and how he's doing great. Kumail's character just doesn't want to do that. And I think this is a really great movie. I think it's a very adult movie. Um, it was nominated for best original screenplay. You look at the class of best original screenplay in 2017. It's one of the most stacked like categories like ever. And this movie is incredible. I, I really, really love it. All right. Uh, yeah, Scully. 
Yeah, I've only seen clips from this, but like, um, um, it, it, it's it's definitely on my list of rom coms to get to because I know I probably would would really enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah, uh, I love the big second. Uh, this is a movie I didn't like, or I liked the first time I saw it. I had the opinion that the middle of the movie was great and the beginning and the ending were not. Basically, I thought once the big sick is over, the movie is not great because I didn't like Kumail and Kazan for whatever reason. Uh, I don't have that opinion now, but that is the opinion I held at one time. Uh, I, I really like them together now. Um, I used I, I, my only real issue with this movie is I don't, and I can't think of the actor who plays him, but I don't like Camille's friend. I think the friend, like the best friend, is just too stupid. Uh, not Bo Burnham, but. Bo Burnham, okay, okay. Yeah. Not Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham's fine. Bo Burnham's doing like a douchebag comedian role, and he's great at it. He's, he, Bo Burnham's very fun. Uh, but the, the friend. I think he's kind of annoying. He brings the movie down. Not a good rom-com friend. You want a Zoe Kazan movie with a good rom-com friend? What if? What if got a good rom-com friend? This movie doesn't have a good rom-com friend. Uh, but Ray Romano and Holly Hunter, man, they so steal this movie. They are just fantastic. I love the scene where Camille gets heckled in uh, the comedy club and oh. Holly Hunter is there. So and good. she just goes off on the guy, and it's great. Was was Hunter nominated for an Oscar for this? Am I am I crazy? No, she wasn't. Okay, she was not, yeah. okay very true, very true. Okay, uh, Scott. Yeah, really enjoy it. And like I was saying with Candy Jar, it's you know it's familiar stuff, but it's in a unique setting. Like I like seeing the world of stand-up comedy explored. Yeah, that a heckler scene is probably the best scene, honestly. Um, you just don't see a lot of movies about that in general. And, you know, romantic comedy that is in and around that world is good. I think it also resists the urge to be super, like, cheesy and schmaltzy, given the premise where it could have been. Uh, but instead, it just comes off really sincere. And, uh, yeah, all the performances are great. So I like this movie a lot. Okay. Uh, so now uh, that is it. Our uh, 10 picks were City Lights, Punch Drunk Love, What If... Groundhog Day, Crazy Stupid Love, The Apartment, Parent Trap, Fire and Day of Summer, Candy Jar, Big Sick. Now we just have one thing left. We talking about the Maltese Falcon. Payson, you talked about it last week, right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, you talked about it last week. Scully, you watched Maltese Falcon or did you forget? If you forgot, that's fine. You were I, last minute in it. I, 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 I was called in to do this show about four hours ago. I really, wish, I really wish I would have time because this yeah. is this is good. So I have seen the movie. I did not get to rewatch it just because I got out of it yesterday, but um, I have seen the movie before. Um, it's a little overrated in my opinion. Um, like, I think there are better film noirs out there, obviously. I think there are better Humphrey Bogart film noirs. I think The Big Sleep is a far superior movie to this um, for me. I think that the romantic... Um, 
chemistry between him and Lauren Bacall in that movie is just off the charts. Also, William Faulkner wrote the screenplay for The Big Sick, or The Big Sick, for The Big Sleep, which is crazy. Uh, and that's why it's yeah so great. But yeah, I, I, I just don't know that I think the mystery here like grabs me that much. I like that, you know, the, the characters are somewhat interesting in Mary Astor and um, it's a decent ensemble. But I think it's just missing like that spark for me um, that like something like The Big Sleep has. Now, it has been a few years since I um, have seen it. And I, I would have watched it if I had had more time to, to do so. Um, and maybe if I'm on again, I will have more time to watch it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't my pick in the poll for this month. Let, let me let's I'll just say that. But it's it's still a good movie. Like I, I get why it's acclaimed but uh there are just better examples of this for me all right uh what would you give it out of five i gave it three and a half stars three and a half okay so that concludes our show tonight thank you for watching next week in adventure movies uh and the week after that we got best movie soundtrack so let either myself or timber Cullen know if you want to be on those shows Thank you to everyone for watching. Thank you, Tim. You were here in spirit. Uh, yeah, so thank you to Scott Harvey. Thank you to Payson Johnson. Thank you to Thomas Gully. Thank you to everyone at home for watching. This has been Multi-Vlogged. See you later. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening.